in our lives. And, and I believe the Lord is going to bring us into a new season. We want to call this season the pioneering season. Yeah. I believe that there's some things that God wants us to pioneer individually, but also collectively as a church. Amen. Amen. And so if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be in Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to read two verses in Hebrews 12 to get us going here. But this is where we're going to spend the next few weeks exploring what it means to be a pioneer. I believe that it is God's will for you to pioneer something. Um, and pioneers are powerful because pioneers make other people's life better. You know, a couple of seasons ago, we talked about a place for you where Jesus makes a place for you. Well, once you find that place, now Jesus says, now I want you to pioneer something that's going to make someone else's life better. Like, I've made your life better. Now, who are you going to make better because of that? And that's what this season is all about, right? The world is about me, myself, and I. Jesus is about me and who else, Lord? Can you bless? Can you say amen? amen. So Hebrews 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such great cloud of witnesses. In other words, man, we have so many incredible examples of people who have lived by faith. If you read chapter 11, it tells you about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David and Solomon. Now you're saying, man, since you have so many great examples of faith, guess what? Now it's your turn. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Can I stop here for a second? First of all, listen, if you're going to be a pioneer, if you're going to walk into the things that God has for you, you got to throw off some things. Like, there's things that just hinders your progress. Right? Like, you ever watch people that run? Right? They want to run with least amount of stuff possible. Right? They're so annoying because they run with, like, little tiny shorts. You ever seen those people? They're like, their shorts is a stumbling block to you because you're like, yo, why... Can you get them any shorter? Yeah, I remember one time I was in the gym, right? I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get my cardio in, and homeboy was going in, but his shorts were, like, this small. And I'm like, I can't, like, focus, because those are your shorts, man, you know? But I get it. I mean, the point of running is you want to be loose, right? Right? Spiritually speaking, the Lord is saying, throw off the things that is holding you back. Like, you, you got things to accomplish, but here you are. You got so much on you. You can't be running with Tim's on and baggy jeans and, you know, pull over. Like, come on. You got to strip off that stuff if you want to run. I'm talking in the spirit now. Yeah. Figure out where your Tim's is. You know, it could be a person. Come on. It could be a thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to put your spiritual eyes on to say, Lord, what's hindering me? That's good. From walking this walk that you have for me. What's slowing me down? You notice what he said? He says, that easily entangles. You know what that is? You know when you're, you're trying to untangle rope? It's the most frustrating thing in the world. Right? Because you think you got it and then you don't. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's talking about that. It's saying your life could become that. If you don't throw off this stuff, it just entangles you. And now you're like trying to do life. And you're doing a dance. Nowadays, everything is a dance. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, people think you're entangled. Like, I'm just dancing. You know, because everything's a dance nowadays. What's throwing you off, church? It will slow down your progress. Right. Sometimes people are, are dashing by you. You're upset. Yeah. They, why? Why are you upset? Because you got stuff slowing you down. Yeah. It's not their fault. Yeah, Look around you. Strip down. Get your little tiny spiritual shorts on. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And run the race that God intended for you to run. Run, Forrest. Run. Oh. Run the race. But, it, but pioneering starts with realizing that there are some things that's keeping me from this new season. In order for spring to come, winter's got to go. Can't be having winter and spring at the same time. Like, weather right now is, is, is confused. Winter's like, yo, I'm not done. Spring's like, I want to come in, though. Summer's like, yo, I know I'm, like, ways ahead, but, like, can we come in early? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, that's what's happening in New England right now. But, you know, I believe that in everything, there's a lesson there. Yeah. Something's got to go for something new to come. Amen. The old has to go for new to come. Can you amen. say amen? Amen. He says, run the race that's marked out for us. You know, Christianity is a race, but it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Okay. In other words, it doesn't all happen all at once. Okay. In a marathon race, you got to know how to pace yourself. And it's what, this is what the Bible is trying to teach you, right? By saying this, look, it says, verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus. You have a race to run, but you better have a goal. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Why? Because he's the pioneer and perfecter of faith. 
Like Jesus is the one that goes before you. That's what a pioneer does. He paves the way for you. He prepares the way for you. That's why we call it a place for you. Like he made a place for you. Now he's like, now I want to launch you out into how you create a place for others. Come on, talk to me this morning. Jesus, the pioneer and perfect of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In other words, in order for him to be a pioneer, he had to go through some things. He had to endure the cross. He had to endure being mocked and, and betrayed and had to go through all that stuff because he knew there's another side of this thing. Yeah, yeah. Right? Pioneers don't quit when things get hard. They find another way. Right? I don't want to get ahead of myself here. But the goal, I, I pray you get this in your spirit, write this down. The goal this season of life, I believe, is to awaken the pioneer in you. Yes. Amen. There's a pioneer in you right now. Yeah. Right? There's someone in there that is dying to come out. Yeah. Right? But in order for him to come out, something has to die. The old you has to die in order for the new to come out and be in the now. Pioneering is not a wishful thinking. It's activating what God has for you. Amen. Can you say amen? Look at this, right? The dictionary says pioneer is a person who is among the first to explore or settle a new country or area. Like a trailblazer. Jesus is the spiritual trailblazer of humanity. Wow. Goes before us to pave the way. And now we have a trail to follow. That's the pioneering spirit. It's also a person who is among the, uh, a person that develops or first use or apply a method or a knowledge or an activity. Right? A pioneer is always thinking about how do we do this better. Right? And I love these, these words that go along with pioneer synonyms. synonyms. It says this, it's you introduce, you develop, you evolve, launch. And here's one of my favorites, you instigate. Pioneers instigate change. They don't poke you on Facebook, they poke you in life. Right? Pioneers make you feel uncomfortable because you're like, man, I'm supposed to be doing something else here with my life. Pioneers will instigate change. Sometimes people think that, that, that you, um, you offended them. Actually, you instigated change. Think about it. Yes. There are people that are not here, right? Because they're like, oh, I can't believe pastor said that, but now I'm going to go and do better there. Well, then I instigated you to go do better somewhere else. That's change. So th- you're welcome. You know what I mean? Like if, if you poke someone and they get better, then guess what? You're a pioneer. You know what I'm saying? Someone, you got to instigate someone into change. Can you say amen? The pioneers instigate. They initiate. They spearhead. They institute. They establish. They originate. They set things in motion. I love that. They set things in motion that others can follow. They create things. That's what a pioneer is. That's what a pioneer does. And guess what? Right now, in this very moment, we are here because someone pioneered for us. If you look around, everything that you see, someone pioneered it. The very chair you're sitting on, someone pioneered that chair. We could be sitting on some other chairs, but someone's like, man, we could do a better chair, a more comfortable chair. Right? Someone saw a chair and says, we can do that better. That's pioneering. Right? The lights that we have, someone pioneered that. Right? The clothes that you're wearing, someone pioneered that. The watch that you're wearing, someone pioneered and said, we can do a better watch. Yeah. Or we can do a, you know, <laughs> bootlegged version of the better watch. You know what I'm saying? Depending on how, where you got your watch, I don't want to know. Okay, that's on you. But we all are a project of someone pioneering. And then spiritually speaking, someone pioneered you here. None of us just showed up. Someone pioneered us here. And someone, for some of you, it was like hardcore pioneering. Right? Like someone wouldn't leave you alone, pioneering. Thank God for those people. Thank God for those people that won't leave you alone. Because they're like, man, there's something better. Right? And you're like, no, I'm good. Not realizing you're like, yeah, I'm not though. And then when the veils come out, you're like, oh my God, like, I'm not good. (laughs) I thought I was. You know what I mean? But someone had to pioneer that for us. I'm not here by osmosis. I'm here because some people, a bunch of people pioneered. For me to be here. That's why we go into to, to the Dunkin' Donuts Center, man. Can we pioneer a way for some people yeah, come to on. come and meet Jesus? Can we come pioneer on. a way for your co-workers or your, your neighbors to come and say, wow, where have I been on my life? Someone has to pioneer the way. We are products of pioneers. 
Let me show you some, some, some more examples in, in history here, pioneering. Can you go to my first slide here? Look, in, in America, there's a spirit of pioneering in America, right? For example, again, I'm not going to touch on all of them. I want to give you a taste of pioneer. I hope you go home and do some research. But the pilgrims pioneer a new way of living, religious freedom. You know, people are saying all kinds of stuff about America, man. But travel the world and see how free you are. Because someone pioneered the way for you to be free. I know we don't want to talk about one nation under God, but it's because of one nation under God that we have the kind of democracy that we have, the freedom that we have, is because someone pioneered the way for us to have. So I don't understand cursing the very branch we're sitting on. Right? Those people, you almost want to be like, can I take you to the Middle East? Can you last a week in the Middle East under the oppression of, of dictatorship and you see how good you have it in America? Why? But someone pioneered it. Someone had to lead the way. Right? Go to my next slide. Watch this, right? When it comes to invention, Thomas Edison. We're sitting here because Thomas Edison pioneered. Yeah. The lights, right? Thomas Edison is considered to be the greatest American inventor of all time. Why? Because everything, most of the stuff that we have today started back then, right? The spirit of pioneering is on the people. Watch this. I love what he said. Give you a couple of quotes from this man. Fascinated. He said, I have not failed. I just found 10,000 ways they won't work. (laughs) That's a pioneer, people. Yeah. That's someone that's like, no, this, we're going to find a way. Yeah, come on. You know why? Pioneers don't make excuses. Right. They make a way. Right. Pioneers will always say, no, we're going to try this one more time. And he said, listen, I just found 10,000 ways not to do it. That's awesome. Right? And you're over there like, I tried it twice. It didn't work. It never works. Right? He says 10,000 ways that won't work. Because pioneers have a certain perspective in life. It's not failure. It's just one more way not to do it. Yeah. Can you amen. say Amen. amen. Look, he said this. I love this. He said, genius is 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. Think about that for a second. He's saying it it takes work. Everybody wants change, but nobody wants to do the work to bring the change. There's not one person that you meet that's like, I don't want things to be better. But how many people are perspiring or perspiring, whatever whatever that vocabulary is, because I'm African. You're going to help me on this one. Okay, still learning English. I'm still pioneering my way to English. Okay, but how many people are actually putting in the work to see the change? Right? And he goes on to say this. I love this. He says, he said, opportunity is missed by most people because it is dressed in overalls and looks like work. How good is that? Right? Everybody wants an opportunity, but then you say it's going to take some work. They're like, oh. I think I'm good here. <laughs> you know, everybody wants change, but nobody wants to do the work to see the change. Pioneers say, no, we're going to work on this. That's thing. Right. The Bible actually tells you to work out your salvation. Yeah. To work it out. Because in other words, there's stuff in you that wants to come out, but if you don't work out, you never see it. Can you say amen? Look, pioneers in science. Let me show you. Again, I'm not going to touch on all of them. just want to give you some appetite for pioneering. Look, guys like Pascal, Galileo. Galileo is incredible. By the way, Science is not opposite of faith. Okay? Science enhances faith. Right? People are like, oh, we got science. It's like, you know, science is awesome. I think it's another way that God shows us how powerful he is, how awesome he is. You know? Science is awesome. Galileo was, well, look, this guy was an astronomer, physicist, engineer, philosopher, and mathematician. Get your game up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is one guy. Right? He, he shifted the way we thought about science in the 17th century. He brought the revolution, the, the scientific revolution that took place. And a lot of religious people didn't understand it. Because a lot of times religious people will settle instead of exploring. So they, 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 they did all sorts of things to Galileo because they didn't understand that this man was pioneering things. Be careful with religious people who are settled in their ways but won't see that God's doing a new thing and he wants to show you other things but you get stuck in where you are because of the religious mindset. Can you say amen? amen? But one of the things he talked about was that, listen, maybe we're not seeing this right. Look at the cosmos. Maybe, maybe it's not about the earth. The earth is not the center. Right? And, and, and what a spiritual application there when he, when he helped us to see that perhaps we, no, we, don't, we don't evolve around the sun. Like the sun revolves around us. Like, in other words, 
the son, the S-O-N, spiritually speaking, is in charge. And we're not in charge, okay? I think God put a message in the cosmos to tell us something like, listen, you're not the center of the universe. You're just a little bit part of it. Like, I got a huge galaxy out there. Sometimes we make life all about us. But we're like, it's not about us. It's about God and his will and his purpose. My job is to align myself in that rotation that he has for my life. Okay? That's why so many people are so frustrated. They make themselves the center of life. So Galileo was onto something. Not the sun, S-U-N, but the sun, S-O-N, becomes the center. I think God was making a point in the cosmos, okay? Because he is the one that created it all. I think he's making a point. We're still finding planets. How crazy is that? We're still finding places to go, but it takes people to pioneer that. That's awesome. A couple of things from Galileo. Look what he says. He said, you cannot teach a man anything. You can only help him find it within himself. In other words, there's a pioneer in there somewhere that needs to come out. That's why we come to church. We come to church to do our religious duty. We come to find who God created us. Come to get closer and closer to the reality of who we are in him. Can you say amen? Look, he said, all truths are easy to understand once they are discovered. The point is to discover them. (laughs) How good is that? In other words, there's so much that God wants to reveal to us. Are we willing to explore and to discover the things that God has? Let me give you one more quote from him. So good. He says, I do not feel obliged to believe that the same God who has endowed us with sense, reason, and intellect has intended us to forego their use. Like, how good is that? Can, can, we, can we open a side note here? Like, how shallow is our society? People don't use reason anymore. People don't have wonder anymore. People don't explore anymore. We're just so blah. Yeah. You ever talk to people and your spirit is yawning? <laughs> like, you ever talk to people and you're like, oh, God, again? Can we talk about something more exciting? Can we reason together? Can we explore the scriptures? Can we open up new portals to reality of life? Like, can we talk about life? Can we talk about life? How's it going? Same old, same old. And then you get around them. Then you're like, your spirit drops. I used to work with someone. I used to avoid this guy. Because I'm like, man, every time I get around them, I'm like... You know, so I start seeing him and like go the other way. Like, hey man, let's go, man. You know, before that thing gets on me. You know what I'm saying? Like, some people just want to suck life out of you. They're like, who can I drain? Yeah. They got the outlet. Who can I drain? <laughs> some of them are in church. I'm just, <laughs> who can? Can I drain you, bastard? I want to suck life out of you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then there's some people you get around them, you're like, man, life is awesome. Yeah. Right? There's some people you get around them, they talk to you, you're like, oh man, I didn't know I was excited until I talked to you. <laughs> right? I want to get around some people like that, man. I want to get around some people that I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do, I'm going to do something. Yeah. I'm going to do something. I mean, he's doing this, this, and this. Like, I got to do something. Honey, what are we doing? I don't know. We're going to do something. Get in the car, we're driving somewhere. I don't know. Let's <laughs> do something. Come on, talk to me. Because we were created to do, created to explore, to discover, created to see more. Listen, don't you know, like this verse I just read, if you'd spend a week with it, you know how much stuff you'll get out of it? Yeah, yeah. If you just every day you go to God, he says, show me something else. I'm fascinated by the scriptures. It's not the first time I'm reading these verses. But every time I go back, it's like, there's something else. So when people say, me, Bible is boring, I'm like, you're boring. You have a boring mind. Because the Bible is incredible. Galileo saw that the cosmos is made a certain way. Why? Because he was reading the scriptures. And we over here don't want this boring. Okay, move on. I don't know what that was. That was weird. Um, (laughs) But we were created a pioneer. Can I prove it to you? Look, when God created man, he said this about us. Can you go go to the next one? He said, God blessed them and said, this is talking about the, the original Adam and Eve. He said, be fruitful, increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves the ground. In other words, here's your identity. Here is your DNA. So like you're meant to be fruitful. And that's not just physically, because we're still good at that at this church. We have kids like every single week. That's one way to pioneer. Okay? That's one way. Okay? That's one way. But it's not the only way. 
right? He's saying, like, increase, fill the earth, subdue it. You know what subdue it means? Like, it's going to take some doing, some, some wrestling to get some things to work for on your behalf. Right? That's why sometimes you're like, I'm about to start this business. There's a lot of wrestling that goes with it. But guess what? Stick with it. Stick with it. Subdue it. Rule, the Bible says. Like, did you know you meant to rule? In other words, there are things that are trying to come and, and, and rule you. You're meant to rule it. If you read Genesis on, right, when, when, when Cain was tempted to kill Abel, you know what God told him in advance? He said, listen, sin is crouching at your door. You know what crouching is? It's like this, like ready to pounce. He said, sin is ready to pounce on you. His desire is to rule you, but you must rule it. In other words, God gives you authority to rule over things. Negative thoughts, you're meant to rule over them. Addictions, you're meant to overcome them. Right? You were not meant to be defeated. We're not meant to be victims. We're meant to be victors. Right? This is your DNA. You're meant to be a pioneer. You're meant to pioneer things. And that means practical things. Like, for example, some of you, you didn't grow up in a good family. God's saying, now I want you to create a new paradigm. Start anew. You're the pioneer of your family. My dad wasn't around. Yeah, I know. But guess what? Now you're a dad. But be the dad that your dad was meant to be in the first place. Pioneer. Didn't have a good mom. Okay, but guess what? You knew how not to do it. One of the 10,000 ways not to be a mom. But guess what? Now you're a mom in Christ. And Christ's going to empower you to be the best mom you can possibly be. That's what it means to rule. You don't let the past dictate you. No, no, no. You learn from the past, yeah. and you pioneer a new future, Amen. a new beginning, a new way. You know, some people are like, ah, oh, church stuff. Yeah, but you're like, yeah, but you don't understand what's happening to me. Focus on Jesus, not those that are dropping off. It's easy to sprint. How about you have a marathon? You know, people are like, I came to church once. Well, congratulations. Can you come for four years? And actually see a journey happen? Can you come for 10 years and see now your legacy? Can you see your kids coming into the Christ thing? Or are you just a sprinter? It's a marathon, people. Have dominion. Subdue it. God put it in you to leave a legacy. God put it in you to leave a legacy of, of faith. A legacy of passion. A legacy of hard work. Everything that God puts in you is like, now reproduce that. Put it in others. Like I said, when people get around you, they should be excited about life, not feel drained about life. So please think about that next time. Am I a drainer? Okay. Am I draining life or am I bringing life? Come on, that's a choice. To drain or to bring. Can you say amen? You see, all this stuff can be, all this stuff can be jeopardized by sin. Right? Because sin makes this pioneering spirit into a greedy spirit. Right? They were ruling, doing their thing. The enemy says, yeah, how about you do you, though? I know God said that, but how you do your thing? And do your thing led to doom. Wow. Right? Can I tell you right now, this, is gonna, uh, this might be a little bit out there for you guys, but one of the greatest demonic philosophy of our day right now is this whole do you. Come on. That ain't God. Yeah. That ain't God. Right? I'm a parent. We're parents. We don't let our kids do them. We'll be the worst parents in the world. If you're a good parent, you don't say, do you? If you're a good parent, you're trying to teach them how to live life the right way. Just yesterday, one of my sons, he's got cavities because he loves the sweets. I call him sweet man, you know. And, and I'm like, listen, what do you want? You want more cavities or you want to get better? So I can't just let you have candy whenever you want. I can't just say, yeah, you know, I love you so much. Do you? Come on. This is the do you that's gotten our world in uh, all kinds of trouble. Right? We're telling teenagers, do you, when they don't even know what their hormones is yet. They don't even know who they are, their feelings, their identity. And so they're sleeping around trying to do them, and all they're doing is missing them. Come on, we're not helping them. We're not helping. All this progressive baloney stuff, like, yo, you're supposed to explore, but how is it that we're all lost? Come on. Exploration should lead to some kind of journey. Why are we just lost in the woods? Everybody seems to be pointing the way, but nobody knows the way. Do you. It's not God's will for you. Do God's will. It's God's will for you. Why? Because his will is for you to be a blessed, to be be blessed, to be honored. 
That's why we teach our kids, forget dating in high school. Focus on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Yeah. Let him dictate who you're going to date. Yeah. Well, I can't tell him what to do. Of course not. Because he's supposed to do him like a 15-year-old supposed to figure out life. Yeah. Like, how crazy is that? 15-year-old, like, yeah, you figure out life. Because I love you so much. Come on. Right? That doesn't make any sense. The enemy would love to come and take what is meant to be a journey and turn it into a nightmare. Right? So we gotta we gotta be able to discern the the, the 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 struggle is that listen the apple will always be offered to us but God's got something better. Well, it wasn't even an apple. Let me just say that. Okay, clear that off. Some of y'all will go home and I'm never having an apple again in my life. Okay, we don't know what fruit it was. I'm glad we don't because then we make a theology around it. You know what I mean? The theology of apple. You know. All right, let me move on. <laughs> The greatest pioneer that ever lived is Jesus. You know, everything I just said to me was like warm-up. Because I want to get here. Jesus is fascinating. Yes. Like he's fascinating to me. I want to show you, Jesus, how he pioneered the way. And why we still follow this man that is more than a man that is God. Like, he blows my mind. Like, I want to show you his journey, how he pioneered his way to where we are today because he is the pioneer. He said to fix your eyes on him. Why? Let me show you why, Jesus. Let me show you why. Let me, let me take you through a timeline of Jesus, the great pioneer, right? From the beginning all the way to when he went back to heaven. Can you go to the next slide for a second? Look, first of all, Jesus <laughs> leaves heaven. Like, think about that for a second. We're all trying to go to heaven. He leaves heaven. Like, the guy leaves the comfort of his throne to become a servant of all. You see how reversed he is? Right? Everybody wants to be the CEO. Jesus is like, I'm the CEO. I'll become the janitor. Undercover boss. That's the greatest undercover boss ever was Jesus. Okay? Like, to get here, he had to travel through the cosmos we talked about. We don't even know what that means. Because we're still finding out galaxies. Well, you, you, ever, you ever study science? We're like a little speck. In the bigger picture, that's why when we make life about us, it sounds so laughable to God. Because like, you're a little speck in the big scheme of things. He traveled all that to come to earth. Yeah. The CEO, the king, becomes the servant of all. Right? And, and right away, he gets here and he has to escape assassination. Why? Because the enemy would love to kill what God put in you. Right? Today, I guarantee you, today, as we live here, you're going to be faced with either I'm going to walk into what I heard in church or it's going to take it away from me. Yeah. That's the sad reality. Like, some people are going to live here on the parking lot. They already lost because yeah. they didn't realize the enemy comes to snatch it away from you. Yeah. Try to kill him right away. He escaped assassination. has to go into Egypt for a couple of years. All this part of the process that God had for him. Listen, goes to the temple at the age of 12 and begins to teach. And people were like, who are you? 12 years old. Teaching with such authority, which, by the way, parents lost them in church. You think you're a bad parent? How would you like to lose Jesus? Someone called the CYF on Mary. Like, she lost Jesus in church. Which, by the way, like, it, it, the, the reason is because they used to travel in huge caravans. There was a lot of people used to go to the temple, and it was like a home alone situation. They counted everybody, and they, they didn't count Jesus, you know. So they had to come back. Can you imagine having to explain that to God? Like, oh, my bad. We, uh, we thought we had him, but we didn't, you know. But 12 years old, he's already showing he's more than just a mere human. He's yeah. teaching, right? He's teaching. This is why we do kids' ministry. We don't babysit them. We're teaching them. The earlier they get it, the better. You know how many years we can shave off our kids' lives if they get the will of God now, yeah. not later. So don't look at kids' ministry like it's babysitting. No, it's actually helping these kids be blessed and live the life that God has called them to live. I don't know about you. That's my desire for my kids. So I don't, that's why I don't understand this whole philosophy of do you. I don't want my kids to do what I did. I want them to do better. You know, I don't want them to learn the way I learned. Like, maturity says I don't have to learn the hard way. I don't have to learn everything by experience. I can see your experience and say, that's not fun. I don't want to do that. 
You know what I mean? I don't want to put my hand in the fire, all that stuff, like nonsense. No. I want to learn sometimes by just looking at others. And I pray, we pray this almost every day over them. God, I pray they never have to taste the things of this world to realize how good you are. That they experience you early in life. So they don't have to go through all that nonsense to get to where they need to be. Amen? That's Jesus at 12. Keep going. Watch this. Well, listen. He gets baptized at the age of 30. And you're like, why does Jesus get baptized? John the Baptist says, man, I should baptize you. But you know what he said? He said, we must do this according to God's will. In other words, Jesus came to show you, here's how you submit yourself to God. Right? I'm God, but I'm submitting as a human being to the divine side. Right? How awesome is that? He's paving the way. He's saying, this is how you trail. This is how you blaze the trail for other human beings. Right? Immediately he's tested. The Bible says he's led into the wilderness to be tested in three ways. Everybody is tested in three ways. The lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. He's saying, here's how you overcome. You will be tested, but you don't have to fall into temptation if you follow the way I did it. Because I'm trailing a place for you. I'm trying to show you how to live life. Okay? This is why I tell you, when you read the Bible, if you don't personalize it, you're doing it wrong. Because he's saying, like, I did it to show you how you can do it. So he says, man does not live on bread alone, but everywhere that comes out of the mouth of God. He's saying, like, when you're going through some flesh temptation, remember that you're not a physical being alone. You have a spirit side of you. So pay attention to the spirit. Principles over feelings. We didn't come up with that. Jesus did. Uh, We just plagiarized everything he did. That's what it means to be a Christian. Okay. He's 30 years old when he starts his ministry. That blows my mind. He had to live in obscurity for 30 years before he comes out and have a public ministry. And we don't want to wait two weeks to hear from God. Think about it. The Son of God had to wait. There's a waiting season in God's equation. He waited 30 years. Why? Because he was showing you there is a plan, but there's a plan, and each season has a perfect fit. The Bible says there's a season for everything under the earth. Right? Pay attention. What season does God have you in? Right? Because he had to wait 30 years to get there. And what does he do? The sooner he starts his ministry, what's the first thing he did? He calls disciples. Think about that. The Son of God says, I need a team. If the Son of God needs a team, how much more do I need a team? Right? The enemy will love to isolate you. Yeah, do you, do your life by yourself. Be shady, be weird, be no. But he's like, well, the first thing we're going to do, we're going to get a team around. Because there's no I in team. There's strength in numbers. We're going to do this together. Why do you think we talk about crews? We didn't come up with that concept. He did Right? The first disciples was the crew. That was his first crew. And out of 12, he had, he had 70 that will go out. That was what? That was the ministry teams. Crews, ministry teams. Why do we say join? Why? Because, listen, following Jesus is not just showing up. Following Jesus is becoming a disciple and becoming part of the mission. Right? Crews and ministry teams. Crew is where I break down, become a disciple. Ministry team is where I actually do ministry and become more like Jesus. That's why we do these things. We didn't come up with it. Right? First miracle, turns water into wine. Never been done before. Matter of fact, he just wanted to go to a party. Right? Mom was like, can you help him out? He's like, I just came to party though. You know, I'm just reading between the lines there. Uh, because, but I love what Mary said. Mary said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. You want to follow Jesus? Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Why? There's a blessing on the other side. Yeah. Right? When he said pour out the water, he's like, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. Why does he have me to pour out the water? I mean, I don't know. I mean, why, why can't we just buy wine? Come on. Come well, maybe God has a miracle in the process. Yeah, yeah. If you just do your part, let God will do his part. You will see a miracle. You know? Go ahead. Go ahead. Look. He touches the lepers. He touches the lepers. Okay. okay. How, why is that significant? Because, because in that society, no one touches lepers. They used to think that leprosy was, was infectious, so you stay away from people who have leprosy. They actually villages for lepers, and Jesus goes and touches lepers, and people are like, why would you do that? Why? Because God touches the untouchable. God doesn't have categories like we do. Right? God will touch everyone. Why? Because everybody is made in the image and likeness of God. Matter of fact, people that, let me, let me mention you for a second. Some people that you're walking away from, God's saying, I'm, I'm, I put you there to touch them. The people you work with, they annoy you. God's like, I'm trying to show you how to minister to people. But you're walking away from an opportunity to minister 
Because sometimes we're too heavily minded that we don't forget that being heavily minded means you touch the person in front of you. The Beatitudes still is the greatest sermon ever written. If you study the Beatitudes, it has shaped humanity in more ways than anybody else. Gandhi started the revolution by reading the Beatitudes. Gandhi said, I'm fascinated by Jesus. Gandhi was a Hindu. Right? But he was like, that's a new way of looking a life, a new paradigm, a new pioneer. Right? Gandhi was like, man, this is amazing. If we do this, we'll have a new world. But you know what he said afterwards? He said, I read that. I was so fascinated, so inspired by Jesus. And then I looked at Christians and I was disappointed. Because they didn't look like Jesus. Church, we got work to do. We're supposed to look like Jesus. We're supposed to do the things that Jesus did. That's the whole point. It's not just to read it. It's not just to memorize it. It's to embrace it. It's to flesh it out. If you, know, if you want to know what Christianity is all about, go home and read the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. If you read that for the rest of your life and you activate it, you'll be an amazing person. You will pioneer things for people. Right? Walks on water. Who does that? Defies the law of gravity. To prove a point, I'm more than just a man. And I love this story because Peter was like, yo, if that's you, I'm coming. I love that about Peter. Because too many people stay in the boat. Peter had the audacity to say, if that's you, Jesus, I'm coming out. Too many people talk about walking on water. Peter actually walked on water. At least for a couple of steps. But I mean, who else in history of humanity can say, hey, I walked on water? Right? Because the rest of the disciples were talking about it. Peter was like, yo, I'm going to fight this out. Right? The Bible says he took a couple of steps. He took his eyes off Jesus, and he started to drown. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Yeah. He's the author and finisher of your faith. Right? For the rest of his life, when you get to heaven, he'd be like, yo, I walked on water, though. <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> Keep going, because I'm running out of time. I got I to gotta fast forward this. Um, feeds 5,000 people with two loaves of bread. Two fishes. What's the point? The point is, you bring what you have, watch God multiply it. You bring what you have, what God do the impossible. Right? The problem is, the little that we have, we want to hoard it. Give God the little that you have and see what he can do with it. Right? The parables, oh my God. The parables are the way that Jesus taught. Right? Parables are spiritual lessons, right? That Jesus would teach, but people were like, what are you talking about? Why did he do that? He tell you why he did that. He said, I want to know how curious you are about this. We live in a shadow society. Nobody wants to ask questions. Nobody wants to explore deeper. Jesus is like, his parables are still intriguing people. I read it sometimes. I'm still like, yo, what does that mean? What? They take different meaning and shapes and form depending on what area of life you're in, what journey you're in. It's incredible that his, his parables are like active, yeah. still changing yeah. lives. And he said those who get it are the ones that actually come and say, let's talk about this. Yeah. Let's break this down. Let's see what is God's will for us. The transfiguration is incredible, right? He takes three disciples to a mountaintop, and he says, guys, let me reveal my true nature to you. And the Bible says he changes into who he actually is, not just as a human being. And Peter freaked out. It's Peter every time. (laughs) Peter was like, yo, we're staying right here. This is it. This is heaven. (laughs) You know? But he's like, no, I'm trying to reveal you who I really am so you can trust me. If you can trust me on the mountaintop, you can go down to the valley. Yeah. See, see, that's where the real Christianity takes place. See, right now it's a mountaintop experience, Sunday. Yeah. Monday is when you go down to the valley, and can you take what you learned on the mountaintop and bring it to the valley and live it? Okay. I put this here because I love the story. He saved, he saved Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a little tiny guy, right? And, and, and Zacchaeus was a tax collector, which they hated in those days, IRS. No one likes him, right? But he worked for the Romans, the, the evil empire back then. Uh, and Zacchaeus heard that Jesus was coming, and Zacchaeus knew something was missing in his life. And what does he do? He climbs a tree to see Jesus because there was multitudes. Jesus notices and says, Zacchaeus, I see you. Today I'm going to have dinner with you. And they're like, you're going to have dinner with that guy? Yeah, that's what Jesus does. Right? He goes to his house and he says, today salvation has come to your house. Here's a man that no one liked. Everybody despised. He was a crook. And Jesus came to his house. That doesn't preach a message. Just his presence in his house changes heart. When the presence of Jesus is in your midst, you don't, be, you don't stay the same. It's impossible to stay the same. Right? I was just listening to an interview by an author, by an actor, 
I just did a movie named Silence. It's about missionaries that went to Japan in a very difficult time where no one received missionaries in Japan, and they, they paid a high price. Right? This actor was saying, he played one of the missionaries that went over. He said, in order for us to play this role, we had to learn the ways of Jesus. And he said, this is on national TV late night. You know what he said? He said, when I, when I studied Jesus, I, I, I fell in love with him. He said, man, everything I learned about him was wrong. Because wow. ears say won't do it. You have to know him personally. And he said, my life is not the same again. Wow. Go watch it. It's on YouTube. It's incredible. He said, when you stay, like, he said, and here was his words. He's like, man, where have I been? He said, when I actually studied him, I was fascinated. He changed me. And every week people sit in church and miss him. Because we do religion. We don't get to know Jesus. Right? Keep going. Watch this. Right? The triumphal entry is an incredible thing. Jesus goes to Jerusalem, the city capital, where everything was about to go down before he gets crucified. Right? But he's like, we're going to make an entry, but we're going to do it differently. Back in those days, if you're a king, you come in horses. You come in pomp. Like you show people that like, you're the real deal. He goes, get me a donkey. They're like, wait, wait, time out. You're a donkey. Like, no one does that. He said, well, a serving king does. Someone who comes to serve doesn't come a certain way. Right? But he knew in his heart, the Bible says, like, as he's walking through and people are celebrating, oh, praise God, Jesus is here. He knew in his heart that a week later they were going to crucify him. Because the same people that said, praise God, Jesus is here, was some of the same people said, crucify him. Welcome to ministry. <laughs> Last week, Pastor Mark was awesome. This week, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> Welcome to ministry. Okay. Welcome to ministry. Can you do God's will even when people say crucify him? Because people are fickle. So you got to make up your mind which side you're going to be on, right, when it comes to serving God. Has the last supper with his disciples. Says, I'm going to start a new thing. Until this day we do what they did. He says, listen, this is a symbol. It's a meal symbolizing what I'm about to do. Until this day, it's one of the few things we still do. He said, do this and remember what I did for you. Right? And... And in the process, he's betrayed by one of his own, Judas. And you know what he said to Judas? He said, friend, why do you betray me? When was the last time you called your hater friend? Don't you think that's what really cut through Judas' heart when he said friend? Right? So when he says pray for your enemies, he's not blowing smoke. He's saying pray for your enemy because when you pray for them, you can maybe change their hearts. You don't fight evil with evil. Right? And, and nowadays, it's so easy to go there. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody has a say. But he says, friend. That just messes with me. Man, he said, friend. Right? Can I have that same heart? If I'm serious about Jesus, can I pray for my enemies? Can I love people that are not easy to love? Because this is the challenge. He's saying, man, I want you. I came to, to trailblaze a new way of being human. And, and by doing that, you say, you say things like that to people that don't expect you to, right? Goes to be crucified. Crucifixion was not new, right? But he knew what he was doing was bigger than just physical. He knew that by being crucified, he was making a way for everyone else to come and have a relationship with God. And then he knew in three days he was going to defy the greatest enemy that we have, death. We're afraid of dying. Jesus says, I've seen the other side. It's all good. Why? Because I've been there. I paved the way for you. I came to prepare a place for you, not just here, but for eternity. I don't know if you realize this, but the way life is going, more and more, I'm like, I'm so glad this is not home. I'm so glad this ain't it. Right? That there is another side to this thing. Right? And that, yeah, we are in a marathon, but there's going to come the end of this marathon one day, and I want to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into... The joy. Go to the last part here because we run out of time. Listen, the resurrection takes place. Did you know we can talk about Jesus without using the Bible? If you do your research, you know that what took place, the crucifixion, no one can deny. If you deny, you're denying history. Okay. I've done messages in colleges without using the Bible to show them, listen, you may not believe in the resurrection, but it's hard not to believe that there was a man named Jesus who was crucified, right? And he rose again because it's in the history books outside of the Bible. 
right? And it changed the landscape of humanity altogether, right? Even our calendar has been changed because of that. Yeah. 2017 AD, right? Anno means the year of the Lord, right? The calendar was based on Jesus' life, right? And then he, it tells his disciples, guess what? Now your turn. <laughs> he says, now you go into all the world and preach the gospel. Like you do everything that I did, now it's your turn. Matter of fact, it's not your turn based on your own strength. Is that I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit to empower you to be able to go and be my disciples, be my people. So we're not here shooting the breeze. I pray we get that in our spirit. We're not here just doing this because it's Sunday. We do it on Sunday because that's the day he rose again. Right? But we have a great commission. We are responsible now for everything that he did. We are responsible now to keep bringing this thing forward. This is why we end here. We say you are here. Why? Because you're part of his church now. You're part of his people. Don't you know that there are churches gathering all over this nation, all over the world? Do you know where the greatest revival is happening right now? You know where? In Iran. In Iran. They're saying people are coming to Jesus by the droves. People are getting dreams and revelations of who Jesus is. Why? He never stopped working. He never stopped, and he's still working. Why do we go to the Dunkin' Donuts Center to say to the New England, hey, there's a God, his name is Jesus, and he loves you, and he rose again, and he has a new life. That's why this man is so fascinating. I can't get enough of studying Jesus. Right? But, but, but that same spirit that was on him is supposed to be in his church. And who is the church? Not the building. We're in a school. <laughs> We're not middle schoolers. Right? It's the people of God that is the church that's supposed to carry this mantle now to say, now, God, what are we, we going to pioneer? Yeah. Here in your life, we believe in a pioneering spirit. I'm going to end by giving you a quick, quick run through the history of new life and show you how this thing is so ingrained in us. We can't help it. The Dunkin' Donuts Center, that's the newest thing. But guess what? Two years from now, there'll be something else. I can guarantee you that. Because yeah, yeah. right? there's always something that God wants to do. Yeah. Right? Look, let me show you something. Right? About, about, this is about 20-something years ago. The church used to be in an industrial park in Smithfield. About 400 people, right? And they pioneer a way they've never done before in New England to have a church that can sit almost 2,000 people. But it was a clover field. This place was a clover field. It was just empty. But they had the vision to say, we can put a church there. And this church is going to house and bless Hundreds upon hundreds of people. Walmart came in and says, can we buy that field from you guys? We'll give you $3 million. We're like, no, we want a church. We want a place where people can come. Look, these people, these pastors still together after 30 years. Just that in itself is amazing. Just that. Wait, keep going. Let me show you real quick because we're running out of time. This is the other building next to it. It's It's a twin building where we started a high school. When we started high school, you know how many pastors were like, that's never going to work. We're like, I guess what? We're going to do it. <laughs> because the more you say it's not going to work, the more God's like, oh, I love the pioneering spirit. Right? Started a high school, and it was there for 15 years until we felt it was season for something new, and we started a ministry school. Now we have a ministry school. Let me show you the ministry school real quick. Look, actually, the TV, let me show you. This is a cool story. Go, go to the TV for a second. It's funny. Um, we have a TV program that runs every Sunday. Fox in the morning, ABC at night. When we went to ABC, first time we had HD, they're like, we can't use it. We're like, why? They're like, we don't have HD. Right? We had HD before the national thing had HD. Okay, why? Because the pioneering spirit. Then they were like, now we got to get HD because how are we going to get your show on TV? Like, if you, got, if you guys have HD and not us, we look crappy and you guys look amazing. You know? Pioneering spirit. Okay? Go to the ministry school. This is a ministry school. This is where I teach. We have a... Probably, I'm not lying when I say this, probably we're the best recording studio in Rhode Island. Okay. And, and we have all this facility for young people to use. Funny thing is, we have a gym, they don't even use it. Nobody believes they're working out anymore. <laughs> Keep going. A few years ago, we felt like, why not take New Life and put it where people are? One of the first churches to do in New England, to have multiple campuses. We started in Smithfield. We have one in East Greenwich, Fall River, and then, of course, here three years ago, we planted here in the back. And right now, we're praying about planting another one right in the heart of Providence. 
Good. This, we did this 2007. We said, how about a youth program, a youth conference for three days where we can get young people excited about Jesus? We only had 60 youth at that time. Right? We said, let's start a conference. That year, the first year, 300 people showed up. We're like, man, this is awesome. 300 people showed up. And we kept doing it year after year to the point that it grew so much, we had to do two weekends of it. Right? This is one of the pictures of the youth conference. And then last year, as you guys know, we're like, how about we take this to another level? Let's go to the Dunkin' Donuts Center. And can I show you this? This is the Dunk Center. Go to my last picture. This is 6,000 people last year. Six thousand people, and you know what the people that work at Dunkin' Donuts Center say? They say we've never seen anything like this before. Yeah, so good. Yeah. Uh, and now we're going to take Easter to the Dunkin' Donuts Center yes. to make a point again. <laughs> Pioneer, it's in you, it's in me. You know, there are individual things, but then there are collective things that God wants to do through His people. But you don't do that by just showing up. You do that by getting involved. Yeah. Right? You do that by, by saying to God, like, I'm in. I want to fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. I don't want to be a bystander. You know how easy it is for people to quit church when they have nothing tied into that? Right? Like, that blows my mind how people quit. When I'm like, man, if you do that with church, how much more do you do that in life? No ownership. Easily offended, easily persuaded to go somewhere else, not realizing that, man, if you stick around and watch the marathon race, you don't see all those results without sticking in there. This is 30 years of ministry I just gave you in a nutshell. That's 30 years of plowing, of believing, for change, for better. We're three years here. Look around you. This is our second service. I like, it's incredible. Uh, but you know what? picture I never want to forget. I never want to forget when it was three rows. Three years ago. This was the church right here. I would work hard to like, I don't want to see the sides. It's depressing. There's nobody there. And to think now it goes up to the balcony and this is the second service. It's what God will do when you say yes to his will. Would you stand with me? I want to pray.